my name is Matea. I am one of the founders and co-authors on the website Healing from the Perfect Family. It's a blog where we, me and two of my sisters, we talk about our healing and discovery and insights um, on how we grew up with our narcissistic mother. And um, we talk about CPTSD a little bit as well and various other things. Now, we grew up in a family of 10. So there was my narcissistic mother. There was my dad that enabled her um, as well as had um, some of he coped from his uh, child abuse um, when he grew up by like avoiding and stuff. So he avoided the home a lot through work, throwing himself into work, the workaholic, um, and and then enabled my mom. Um, so there was a time when I thought maybe he wasn't aware of things because um, he was gone so much. But um, as memories have come back to me, I, I realized that he was aware and just chose to look the other way. Um, so that's my mom and my dad. Um, and quick history on them. Um, their parents were both abusive in different forms. Um, my father's, as far as I know, um, they didn't really dive ever into like, oh, our parents and their abuse. But um, whenever my parents would like, uh, go on their rants or whatever and like you don't know what it was like and stuff um or you're so lucky to have been raised the way you are they would dive in um and say a few things that led me to have this understanding of their backgrounds so my father had a physically very physically abusive father um with temper problems and Really, his parents were more about their lives, and um, the kids were more like an inconvenience to them. Um, they were singers and performers, and they'd go around to bars and different things, and like they didn't really like. Uh, um, it seems like they had a hard time even acknowledging that they were parents. Um, my father said he remembered like times when there was just a little bit of piece of cheese or something that was in the cupboard, and. Um, so definitely abandonment issues there, and um, among a, probably a slew of other things, um, probably suffers from CPTSD as well. Um, honestly, I have yet to like kind of look at them and their symptoms. I've been more focused on myself and my healing and whatever, but that's kind of like his history. My mother, um, you know, a lot of people have hypothesized of what was wrong with her father. Um, bipolar, narcissistic, um, multiple personality disorder, but there was some personality disorder there. And um, pretty much you could count on him to be cheating on his wife and um, explosive unpredictable sporadic mind games manipulations um the physical abuse as well like um though my parents differed in that like my dad came from absolute poverty and my mom was like more of middle class family with like religion and whatever and my dad found religion later on um anyways so they both met um 
even like the story of their engagement or like first date or whatever um when my dad like had drawn his boundary on like what kind of girl he was gonna date and then I feel like um even then like in that story I was thinking about the other day I was like even then like it sounded like there was manipulations going on with my mother my mother manipulating my dad um and I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's what happened but um, pretty much two um, unhealthy people met and got married. <laughs> and young, might I add, um, and very quick. Which, um, narcissists, like the love bombing and like all of that that they do, it doesn't surprise me that it was a very quick, like, I think like three months from the time they met to like got married or something like that. Um, don't quote me on that, but yeah, it makes sense in my head. Um, they got married, and then they had my oldest sister, which became the, the main scapegoat for our family for years. Um, for years was the scapegoat. Um, and then my brother was born after her, and <laughs> he became the golden child and later a narcissist himself um so he was pretty much like my mom's prized trophy and like they never missed a basketball game of his or like he was in choir and theater and like literally everything he wanted to do he did and they never missed anything so um but in contrast, like, they never missed anything of his, but my parents never once came to a cross-country meet of mine. So, definite golden child there. Um, and, okay, real quick, definition of scapegoating. Scapegoating is the process by which a bully offloads and externalizes his pain and stress and frustration. So, like, my mother's own trauma and stuff, she was throwing onto my sister. Um, by attacking a less powerful person. I would think a child is a less powerful person. Um, typically, scapegoating brings the bully some momentary relief. It does not, however, effectively metabolize or release his pain, and scapegoating soon resumes as the bully's internal discomfort resurfaces. And yeah, it's gonna resurface because you, my mom never did the work to heal her trauma. Neither of my parents did. My mom likes to say that she read a lot of books, um, and she's shown us and told us a lot about the books that she read, and here's the thing with a lot of what she read is it was diagnosing her family to, um, pretty much be the problem and, like, <sighs> ignoring all of her own problems. That was, that was pretty much the... The books my mom read, like, oh, you're this, and you're this, and, um, not really working on her own healing, and her own, like, whereas my healing, um, and, like, books that I read, it's, it's both, and I, um, I've had several therapists in the past that have helped me see, and I'm, like, so conscious, I mean, one, because I'm terrified of being my mother, um, to see where the problem might lie in myself but if like you ever mentioned a problem with my mom um that woman blew up like um 
like my mom and my dad's marriage have consisted as my dad just like kneeling over and um submitting himself to her because whenever there was problems and blow-ups that happened and like I remember listening to fights and thinking as a little kid yeah my dad has a point there like like you're being hypocritical and like why are you saying these things kind of like as a kid I recognized that and my mother um managing to turn it around on him and he was the one that apologized and she never did so um I got like ahead of myself oh yeah she never did the work so that scapegoating is just gonna be a cycle with her because she's gonna always have that internal discomfort um so um and then the scapegoating parent often organizes the rest of the family to also gang up on the scapegoat. 100%. All of us um, thought my sister was this evil like piece of trash and um, like didn't really give her the time of day or like the thought that she might have a brain cell and have something intelligent to say. Um, really sad but that was the reality um yeah so it was also interesting to note is that when a scapegoat or the parent organizes the rest of the family to scapegoat there a lot of times um like my brother who became so like my mother's like um, the main, like, abuser of my sister at this point, and then, like, enlist my brother to help her, but also, like, my brother being the golden child, like, can do nothing wrong, and then, like, being taught that it's okay to do this to my sister, and, like, um, that kind of shaped him to become the narcissist, like, um, everything he does is great, including being and treating my sister like trash, being a jerk, and, um, and then, like, just sets him up. Pretty much, he is a control freak. I feel so bad for his kids. Um, like, anyways, I feel so bad. Without going into too much detail there, yeah. Um, set him up to be awful. Awful, awful. Um, and something else that's interesting to know is that um, severely narcissistic parents, they, they tend to feel entitled to punish a child for anything that displeases them anything i can think of times where i was trying to as a kid think of something that would make my mom happy i was definitely the pleaser the fawn response um was one of my go-to's and um trying to like color a picture to please my mom try and make her happy um like four four-year-old kid that's what i could think of but um my mom came out and it had displaced her that I had gotten into the markers and she went ballistic and um spanking a four or five-year-old was normal um till their butts were bruised was normal in my house um and you know these are bruises that people can't see you talk about child abuse a lot in school. I remember um, listening to those um, things where, like, you might be being abused or whatever. Like, I don't know. They did it in my elementary school to help help try and help people um, recognize or kids recognize. And I remember thinking, like, 
like like bruises on the arms and stuff and I was like oh like mine are on my butt (laughs) um or like um I can't prove it kind of thing I can't like am I being abused I I don't know my parents always talk about how like they're doing everything um so amazingly and like they're the ideal and to they're like there's like one time when I don't know if his siblings were fighting or what was going on but there was like screaming or crying in the house and my mom was like oh like be quiet do you want our neighbors to call cps on us they say she'd say that all the time do you want them to call cps and take you away from me always threatening like like you don't want them to take take us away from each other and so like hearing like the those like seminars I guess what they'd be called like the guest speakers come into the elementary schools talking about abuse like I was never about to say hey I think I'm being abused and nobody could see it either because my mom was very good at what she does she is still very good at what she does even like for my siblings at home I'm like I I wish I could call CPS but um here's the thing it wouldn't it wouldn't do any good. <laughs> my mom, um, I mean, one, they don't use the belt anymore, so they wouldn't even find, I mean, unless something has changed since I left home, and it very well could have. Um, my mom is unpredictable, but, um, yeah, anyways, back to the markers. I, okay, actually, I'll finish up what I was saying, but it wouldn't do any good because most of what my mom does is mind and emotional, and they're very hard to detect, and CPS can't really do a whole lot about that, um, and those are, like, the most damaging parts. When we were younger, there was the belt and the spoon and all of that a lot, um, and, like, maybe we could have done something then, Um, But the people that could have done something and that saw something walked away and put boundaries up against our family and and pretty much just left us to our family. And um, looking back, it breaks my heart, but I understand. Um, And I I don't know if they saw the full scope of things and what was happening at home either. They just saw that my mom was a little bit of a nut job. Um, Anyways... It, the markers, yeah, so my mom comes out and sees the markers out, displeases her, and instead of asking me to pick up the markers and put them away and say, um, hey, like, you need to ask me before getting into those and I can get them down for you, and, like, I don't know, instead of anything that's reasonable and logical or, like, maybe a consequence that fits the crime or something, um, it was immediate rage, and it's, I, I'd say, animalistic rage, because it's the kind of rage that is just terrifying, um, and you don't see a mom in that, you don't see, you don't see that mother figure that's supposed to be loving and understanding and kind and, um, your teacher, um, it's literally just a pillar of terror, (laughs) and you, um, and then the pain, just, um, a lot of pain, 
comes after. Um, and it didn't matter what age we were, it just mattered that we had displeased her. And, um, and that is narcissistics feel entitled to be able to do that. They, we as ch children are extensions to, we are extensions to the parent and pretty much just extensions of the parent, copies of what they want us to be. And um, I read something recently that said, my sisters and I were not allowed to be children. Like we had to be perfect. And I related to that so much. Um, we weren't allowed to be kids. We had to be little adults and little copies of what my parents, um, what my parents wanted. Um, so anyways, my sister, scapegoat, my brother, the golden child and then my other brother after that um i would say he kind of falls into like i mean i haven't done too much research about the roles besides the the golden child the scapegoat the flying monkeys um which all of my siblings at home and most of my extended family are all flying monkeys um <laughs> i would say most of my dad's side because my mom for some reason has decided that they can join battle against her rebellious children um because that's what i'm doing by calling out her abuse i'm rebelling anyways um but i would say there in a book that i did read my my brother two of my brothers my youngest brother and the next brother after the golden child kind of became like they call it the classic lost child who was just left alone to raise themselves and uh, my brother became bonded to video games um, rather than being able to live life he had like attachment disorder um, and also I think developed the fawn response a lot of us have that fawn response because um, I mean when a narcissist goes rage um you can you can kind of appeal to that ego and i i learned from a young age how to how to do that i learned my mother's um moods i could kind of predict based on body language and i don't know i just sensed her moods and then i knew how to respond was i going to be cleaning the house that day because sometimes when she was in her room and like i sensed something i made sure the whole three-story house was cleaned in that morning <laughs> that's very fast good cleaning and it had to be good also my mom was very picky i remember one time i didn't do it to her standards and i'm um, getting in big trouble um I remember, oh my gosh, she scared the living heck out of me when um, I was in trouble for something, I don't even remember what, and um, given a very unrealistic punishment at like, uh, I would say between 8 and 10. Um, I was sent to work to like, uh, to clean this manufacturing place. I cleaned their bathrooms and all the walls and baseboards and um, there's carbon fiber dust freaking everywhere. They're working with carbon fiber. Um, and anyways, unrealistic for what the crime was, even though I don't remember. I could, I could say that because that is a theme with my mom. And 
I remember her threatening me and letting me know that if I didn't do it exactly how she said, I would get, oh yeah, this is the crime, the consequence or whatever was, um, or the punishment was in addition to um, always yelling, lots and lots of yelling at you and reminding you how pathetic and stupid and contemptuous you are, um, which I can't um, even begin to describe all the the pain and like terrible things that does to a child that rage and disgust that just creates shame and fear in a kid and like oh my lanta so oh my gosh so many scars anyways and then the belt or um or the hand but always bare butt like again also the shame from having to pull your pants down and then your underwear and then bend over and just just let the pain happen because uh, obviously you deserve it, right? Why would an adult want to lay their hand on your bare butt if you didn't deserve it? These are adults that are supposed to be your teachers. Um, and I, I remember that thought process as a kid too, actually. Um, that like, I was so sad and shamed and disgusted and like all of that, but it was all directed at myself because I, I must've deserved it. Right. Um, anyways, she threatened me when I got home that there would be, uh, a lot more of what I had received before we got there. Um, if I didn't do it exactly how she wanted and, um, it was, you know, all the baseboards and the walls had to be perfectly clean. No carbon fiber to be found. The floors, the, the, around the, like, base of the toilet had to be, like, even behind it and, like, the piping behind it and, um, all the stuff that normally, like, doesn't get cleaned with your toilets. Like, this is the kind of toilet cleaning that took, like, five hours. Um, and, and getting all that carbon fiber was definitely a process. Um. And, like, I, I was terrified, and I did it, but also, like, I was kind of grateful to not be at home, even though I was in the state of just, like, fear, but it also, um, um, uh, my dad didn't treat me with so much contempt. And I, I've gotten emotional so many times recording this, so I apologize, but, and I might have to make this a two-parter, um, kind of my history, but my dad didn't treat me with that contempt that my mom did, even though, like, he knew why she was angry and stuff, and always supported her, um, he still, he looked at me with more love, and he asked how I was doing, my mom, and a lot of these times would just ignore me. Like I didn't exist, and the fact that I existed was ruining her life. Um, and um, he pretty much treated me like I was a little bit more human, so I liked being there more than I was at home. And and then my little sister, one time we both got in trouble, and we both had to go clean the bathrooms, and I and I think paint the walls after we cleaned them. Um. And I remember that being the ended up being the best day ever, even though we got in trouble again because we um, got black all over each other um, and we we're going to be super itchy. But that was just my dad going, oh, my gosh, girls, like, go clean up. It was a lot different than getting in trouble with my mom. And so I was so grateful to be there. 
um, until my mom started getting more involved at work, and then it was less of a place of peace, but more of a place that no one wanted to be at. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. So there's the four Fs, the flight, um, let me, let me get them all, the flight, freeze, um, flight, freeze, fawn, and fight. Um, and honestly, I would say I do all of them except for the fight. I was very much not somebody that responded fight. My sisters, um, did a little bit more. I, like, never spoke up for myself, ever. Um, I had to be the perfect child. I had to not cause any problems. Um, yeah. So, I... I was just quiet. I fawned over my mom. I I would freeze in those rage. Um, and then I'd fawn later after the freeze uh thing wore off. I would I would fawn later and like try and get on my mom's good side and like um anticipate her sporadic moods. Um, what was the other one? Flight. Um. Hang on. I have to, like, look up flight to be able to respond to that one. Um. Um. But yeah, it. We're definitely, um. Oh, 100% flight. I, I was hiding, um. I, I just didn't, like, fight as much. Like, my, I just. I froze. My heart beat fast. I, like, panic attacks in place, but while you're trying to nod and say, like, yes, ma'am, or I'm sorry. Oh, if you didn't say, I'm sorry. It just made my mom's rage even grow so much bigger. Um, even if you didn't feel like you had something to apologize for, <laughs> you just had to, um, you had to apologize. Yeah, anyways, um, but, uh, yeah, I made sure I was the perfect child, I had perfect grades, and I um, kept my room perfect. There was a while when it was not, and um, as I got older, I realized, you know, stay out of my mom's way, keep things clean. Like, I, I literally just was, like, if I was walking in the woods and I had footprints, I was, like, dusting behind me every footprint so that I didn't leave a mark, so there's nothing that she could get mad at me for, um, so I could be invisible, honestly, and, um, it, it worked, actually, I remember I was in a musical, I think, um, they came once, it was in a small town, if they didn't come, um, that would shit, that would look bad on their image, um, but <laughs> there was a Sunday performance, and I remember that wasn't, like, really a thing we were supposed to do in our family, but they didn't even notice I was gone, um, yeah, they had no idea. I don't think they even know to this day that I did that. Um, and it was awesome. Like, best experience ever. So, no regrets there, but, um, I, I became invisible and it paid off in my later years. Um, I was able to, I went on a date here and there with no one knowing. Um, but yeah. So... I think all of my siblings have adopted those, those, the four F's, those responses, um, 
and all of us have, um, I think there's been shifts too, where my older sister was definitely the scapegoat, but like when she left and, um, my mom needed people to offload, like I was an, I was a scapegoat at one point, Valencia was a scapegoat at one point, um, I had a younger sister that's still at home now, um, definitely still a scapegoat and suffering a lot because of it, and, um, the thing is, like, she's still very much under the control, so, like, we can't even talk to her, um, I mean, it's not expressly stated that we can't talk to her, but, um, if she does, then it has to be reported to my mom, and my mom checks their phones, and, like, so, like, we can't talk to her, have communication, but when we were having communication before a lot of, um, stuff kind of went to crap, um, she she knew that she had a place with me or my other sisters um but yeah she's definitely a scapegoat right now or the other sister below her who definitely fond response and really tries to anticipate my mom's needs and be absolutely perfect um and just like craves that attention that she's not getting um there's there's definitely a lot of neglect and emotional neglect that happens there um just craves that um it starts to get annoying to my mom and my mother um is uses her as a a scapegoat too pretty much um and like they get blamed for a lot of things that are not their fault um and i i feel horrible but like ugh, my hands are tied there i can't i can't do a lot um yeah so that's i don't know there's me i mean there's my sister my older brother um my other brother who kind of was invisible married to his xbox um video games and he thrives on that invisibility kind of same we were me and him were middle kids for a while and my other little sister joined us as middle kids as long as more siblings were born um but all, all of us kind of thrived in that invisibility zone um and the neglected zone <laughs> no i think all of us have varying forms of neglect that happened as well um Oh, and one of my little sisters is interesting because, um, though she operates a lot as an escape goat, um, there, she also is a little bit of a golden child, um, in the sense that she has a talent, um, that makes my family shine. And anytime anybody comes over to our house, my mom always has her perform. Um, she's a beautiful singing voice and my mom uses that and abuses that um and uses that like my sister was interested in soccer and cross country and like so many other things and she had talents for these and my mom totally told her she sucked at them and that she was only good at singing pretty much and pretty much manipulated her so that she only focuses on music and song and stuff um and it's because it's something that will shine for the family um anyways that's my family um in a nutshell, I guess, um, I kind of went off on some tangents. That's a little bit how my brain works and probably how these will go. Um, I appreciate if you've gotten this far. Um, I'm going to try and incorporate what I'm reading and learning. I am actively, actively studying um, all sorts of things so that I can heal. Right now, I'm reading Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving by Pete Walker amazing if you've ever been through any of this next on my list is healing your lost inner child um 
How to Stop Impulsive Reactions, Set Healthy Boundaries, and Embrace an Authentic Life by Rob Robert Jackman. Um, I also have the CPTSD Recovery Workbook. Um, another like positive thought journal. I'm working on like cognitive behavior therapy, CBT, which is good. Um, among other things, something important that Pete Walker stresses is that um, one ther type of therapy is not a fix-all. You actually um, need multiple because of the enormity of the childhood wounds that are there. Um, one thing is not going to be a fix-all, but like cognitive behavior therapy is super important to retrain yourself to think differently about yourself um, so that you can have like positive thoughts and work to um, eliminate that inner critic that gets so loud when you have um, childhood trauma and abuse that's there. Um, but there are other things too that also need working on. Um, so other forms of therapy like EMDR um, and like somatic things, very important. Um, anyways, as I learn more, I'm also studying marriage and family therapy, so I hope to incorporate some of the things that I learned. Maybe I can get my sisters in on this. I, I don't know. It, this is like a new thing that I'm trying. So this is a first episode. I don't know when I will make the second um, or what that will entail. Um, I think I, what I kind of want to do is a timeline of like when I was a kid to now to discovering and like what I'm doing to heal and like maybe if I can I can get other people to come speak about like their childhood traumas and like um things that help and whatnot um but it's kind of a platform for me to help share my healing story and um, maybe help others as well I don't I don't know um it's very helpful to me, I can tell you that. And if I can get my sisters to do it, too, or even just, like, um, a guest star on one of mine, I don't know. Or if this just stays on my computer and I never share it. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. We'll see what this turns into. But I appreciate if you've gotten this far. And I, I hope for a second one.